I feel like uh, the check engine light is on and we're burning oil and Washington still has its foot on the gas hurtling down the interstate, uh, oblivious uh, to the problems. Um, we, we got systemic failures in institutions from the federal level down to the local level uh, in law enforcement, intelligence, education and the like. And no one seems to be saying, hey, we, we can't get the small stuff right. Um, so how can we get the big stuff right? It's frustrating. Uh, and so a lot of people are taking matters into their own hands to get things right, to keep people safe, to improve their systems locally where they can. Uh, my wife on Wednesday after this happened was telling me there's this group she keeps pays attention to called Faster Saves Lives. The website is fastersaveslives.org. Uh, my wife has done three gun training, um, and, and she keeps up with the, the gun groups that have done that, and they all just sing the praises of this organization. And Joe Eaton from the organization now joins me by phone. Joe, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing pretty good today, all things considered. Yeah, all things considered for sure. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, uh, tell folks about Faster Saves Lives. Sure. The Faster Save Lives program is a uh, program ran by the Buckeye Firearms Foundation. We're a 501c3. This program came about as a direct result of the murders at Sandy Hook Elementary School. We were invited to a town hall about two weeks after those murders. And before we went, the board of directors sat down and said, this is absolutely ridiculous. Every time one of these events happens, nothing changes. We go give our sound bites. The people who want to restrict lawful ownership of firearms gives their sound bites, but nothing changes. So we made a commitment at that, uh, at that town hall meeting that we would offer free firearms, general crisis, emergency management, tactical tra uh, trauma, medical training to a group of 25 school staff that wanted to come here to Ohio or from Ohio and take the training and, that was our plan at that point in time. Uh, we didn't know what we had gotten into because by the time we put on the first class of 25, we already had a waiting list of over 2,000 school staff waiting wow. for the training. So we've not looked back. We've been running it for 10 years. To date, we've already trained over 3,000 school staff from almost 300 districts across 18 different states and more classes this year. And, of course, demand is increasing this week exponentially. I bet so. So what exactly uh, do you do as part of the training? The main thing we did is, and our foundation just acts as a liaison between uh, nationally recognized trainers and the school board. So, you know, I consider myself a good firearms trainer, but that's not good enough for our schools. We want them to have access to this nation's experts on this. And that's what we did. We sat down with the experts and said, you know, how do we save lives once the violence starts and they all had the exact same answer that time is all that matters when violence starts the only way you save lives is one you stop the killing as soon as possible by having somebody there that can effectively stop the killing and then secondly you stop the dying by having the medical tools and training in the buildings so that you're buying everybody these extra five ten minutes while you're waiting on the professionals to get there at that point, you have patients you can transfer off to the professionals instead of victims. And, and that's what it's all about, is compressing that timeline, stopping the killing as soon as possible, because we see every event, every minute that you let the violence continue, on average, you're going to see five to seven additional dead or injured. And this happens time and time again. So even a three-minute response time, such as we saw at Sandy Hook, 
It's too long. We lost 20 babies that day, and they had the first police officer in the parking lot in less than three minutes. And it's a fantastic job by those police officers, but it's not good enough in this day and age. Yeah, it's not. And it, I, I get frustrated with this argument because I, I try to explain to people as patiently as I can. I, I understand advocates for gun control, but we're not putting the genie back in the bottle and we've got a second amendment other nations don't have. And so whether you support gun ownership or not, uh, we, we need to come up with other solutions uh, where we can find some common ground. And it just seems to me that we could find common ground on, on architectural design of schools and, and entry points versus exit points and also having trained people within the school to respond. And I'm always kind of flabbergasted by the number of people who don't like the idea of having anyone inside a school who's trained to deal with these situations. No, and you're right. There are lots of things that schools can and should be doing ahead of time. This has got to be a multi-layered approach, just like we take with protecting our kids from fire in the schools. But the one thing I can say with 100% certainty, in every school that I've visited, in every school building in these United States, there is at least one person right now that if somebody comes into that school and starts murdering the staff and students, there's at least one person that's going to run to that gunfire and stand between somebody with a rifle and these kids and give up their lives to buy these kids a few more minutes of life. As, as, as a nation, a community, there's people are in every school. We owe it to find them and ask them, what are you comfortable with? Do you like things the way they are? Do you want the medical training so you can help after severe violence, sports, or weather, kitchen, bus, lab accidents, or do you want access to the best tools and training so that you may have a chance of going home to your family at the end of the night? And, you know, let the teachers make the decision. This isn't for everyone, but we all know there are certain people who, no matter what the policy says or what they've been trained to do, they're going to willingly stand between a murder and these kids. And we owe it to them to have a chance to survive that and live for the kids. If you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Joe Eaton with uh, Faster Saves Lives. The website is fastersavelives.org. They provide training for crises at school, particularly school shootings. Joe, one of the things my wife pointed out to me that she thought spoke very highly of the program is that this is not some half-day, one-day program. This is a, a multi-day program that really goes in-depth and spends time with people who might not necessarily be comfortable with the aspects of this to, to try to get them comfortable with it. Exactly right. And it's beyond that. It's a multi-year program with, with most schools. Uh, our, our level one program is uh, about 30 hours of uh, firearms, as I said, general crisis, emergency management training, you know, how to deal with large chaotic crowds, how to start directing people for medical aid, how to prepare for arrival of police. And all this is after they have effectively stopped the killing. And then a large part of it is the trauma medical training, because with these type of devastating injuries, you've got to immediately start medical aid of some point. So the first three days is our level one. Uh, after that, a lot of schools said uh, we can't be done here. You know, schools are all about continuing education. So we came up with a level two program that they could come back to after they've completed their level one. And then schools still weren't done. So we've came up with our level three programs where we will actually go into the school districts. We will work with their local law enforcement, work with their local EMTs, work with the other staff inside the buildings that may not have the firearms or want the firearms to get them the medical training. And it's really neat when you see an entire community come together, putting you know the safety of the kids in their schools first. It's awesome. 
So now you guys are based in Ohio. Do you, do people have to go to Ohio for the training, or do you guys come to them? Uh, we we run most of our classes here in Ohio. Uh, we started doing some out of state classes in Colorado in 2016. Uh, we've done some in Indiana, Utah, and Arizona since that time. And happenstance was we are in talks of going to Texas next year before all of this happened. So. We can go take the training anywhere there's demand from the schools and, of course, funding to, to uh, make it happen for the schools. And what we found is generally the break-even point, because a lot of schools, you know, they'll send three or five people out for the first uh, class kind of to see it out, you know, get a feel for it. And if you're at that, you know, three to five is generally more economical for the schools to travel here to Ohio for the training because our nonprofit foundation does have grants available to cover the initial costs of the training for most schools. So really all they have to do is get here, feed themselves, and have their gear, and we'll provide the training for their first five people at no charge. Once now, you get up above that, then yeah, it's more economical for us to move the instructors out of state, and but it's a lot, a lot more complicated at that point. So now I got a one of my affiliates is WHIO in Dayton, Ohio. Where where are you guys in in relation to Dayton? Well, <laughs> we're everywhere. Uh, our uh, nonprofit is an all volunteer charity. We uh, have a mailing address in uh, southeastern Ohio. I'm just south of Dayton, right between Dayton and Cincinnati. Our foundation president is up around Cleveland. So we do run the training at two places here in Ohio. We use the Tactical Defense Institute with Mr. John Benner uh, down east of Cincinnati, and then we use uh, Apex uh, Shooting and Tactics uh, up uh, near the Wadsworth in the northern part of the state. So we have two uh, facilities that we work with here in Ohio, and uh, that gives us options on both ends of the state. Well, now, note to my team who are listening to our conversation right now, I mean, Cincinnati isn't a far drive from Louisville either, so we could do the bourbon tour and, and also go check out the training fellows who are listening right now and my tightwad producer who doesn't like to spend money on anything. That, I mean, I, I'm just, just thinking strategically for myself here, Joe. Now, um, more, more importantly, um, how can people, if they want to help you guys, uh, what, what can people do to sting? You, you mentioned you're a nonprofit, um, and I, I, if you guys very generously do this training for so many people every year, um, if people want to be able to expand your abilities to do this, what can they do to help you guys? Uh, certainly. We are a nonprofit charity, so they can always check to see if any donations uh, are tax-deductible for them. There's a link on our website at fastersaveslives.org where they can donate directly on the website. You know, they can also uh, mail in any donations. They want to come up for our annual Buckeye uh, Bash that we have every year. It's a fundraising dinner we do uh, in the uh, springtime each year. So, you know, more importantly, get out and talk to your local schools and ask them the hard questions. You know, what is your plan? The only way that you end up with two dozen kids dead and injured is when your only plan was to wait on to outside help and that is negligent anymore the schools are responsible and have custody as kids they've got to do everything they can to keep them safe and when i started this 10 years ago it really aggravated me because violence then and it's gotten better was the only emergency schools were happy to say i'm going to defer to somebody else and you know i tell them i'd like that's ridiculous if a kid falls in a pool you don't simply dial 911 and stand there and wait for the professionals to show up. You jump in the pool, you pull the kid out, you train every one of your staff in CPR, and you save the kid's life then, not waiting for the ambulance. 
because they're coming, but they're not going to be there in time. And that's what schools are realizing. And parents and communities need to ask those questions. What are our plans? You know, how quickly do we have the medical tools and training inside the school skills? You know, schools, one minute is too long with a severe arterial bleed. You cannot delay the medical and you cannot allow the killing to continue even one minute longer. That's so well said. Joe, listen, uh, first of all, thanks for reaching out uh, this morning. I, I had intended to reach out when I got back from vacation, so I'm glad you reached out and we were able to get you on today. Uh, and I know my wife is trying to get your program in front of some folks for our kids' school and uh, see if they can either get up to y'all or y'all down to us because uh, of just – I mean, everybody needs to realize that, as you said, the school's trained for every crisis to take care of it without waiting for 911 to show up, except for this one. And, and they need to rethink that. I, I can't thank you enough for what you guys are doing. Uh, like I said, the teachers are what make it all worthwhile. Their love and dedication for the uh, for the kids that are under their care are amazing. We just need to get those in charge and the politicians to focus the priority and the money in the right places. Amen to that. Joe, thanks very much. Have a great weekend. Uh, Joe Eaton from Faster Saves Lives. The website again, fastersavelives.org. If you guys uh, want that link and, and you want the links for the stuff I've been talking about this morning, um, if you text the word data to the number 33777, uh, I will send you back the link to Faster Saves Lives and also my Substack from this morning with all the updated information on the shooting. But Faster Saves Lives, as, as Joe said, you know, schools really do. If if there's an injury at the school, if there's a fire at the school, if there's a fight on the playground at the school, if somebody gets hurt at the school, uh, even if there's a sexual assault at the school, schools are taught and they train and, and they work on these. But if there's a shooting at the school, they say call 911 and they don't do anything until 911 shows up. And we've got to change that. We're, we're not going to get guns out of our society but we can reprogram the way we handle these situations and faster saves lives is doing that. 